episode 3262 of the Survival Podcast. It is a Monday. As is usually typical, we have a listener feedback show for you today. I got a bunch of stuff for you. The results of last week's Twitter polls, we'll talk about those. Wood chippers, not for pedophiles. Well, they're good for that too, but they're also good for biochar. I've been told you can't do it. It'll make a giant cloud. And I let that get in my head and I made a mistake too, but I made it work. It's actually really easy. There's not a lot you have to do to make a wood chipper produce really great granulated biochar. It's amazing. It's the easiest thing there could be. But you shouldn't let the people that say it's going to make a dust cloud get in your head get it too wet. I'll show you what happens when you do that. Um, then I have uh, something called the five laws of human stupidity. We'll play a little video for you on that one. That'll let me rest my vocal cords and have a sip of coffee while uh, you guys get to listen to that. Walmart closed all of its stores in Portland, Oregon. We're going to talk about what they said was the reason versus what I think was the reason. Uh, California mountain residents are begging for help because they're snowed in. They're worried the food's going to go bad while their house is surrounded by snow. Yeah, you see why I put that one pretty close to the five laws of human stupidity. Yeah, we'll talk about that. That's a survival situation that didn't have to be, but is because people don't prepare. They complain when nobody saves their ass when they didn't prepare. We'll also talk about a little bit on Bitcoin today, just a little bit. Question on how can I have an IRA and still have custody? And there's quite a few ways to do that. Uh, but no, you do not have to give custody of your Bitcoin over to an IRA custodian, even if you want an IRA custodian. And you might, and I'll tell you why. That'll be a really short segment. Um, also, I want you guys to stop freaking out even though it's, it wouldn't be worth freaking out even if it was a thing. But it, a lot of you guys have known about the loophole in having antibiotics. You just simply buy fish antibiotics, which are exactly the same as human antibiotics. And uh, there's a new antibiotics regulation about to come. It was passed a couple of years ago. It's about to come fully into force. And all of the prepper blogs and, you know, backbenchers in the preparedness industry, you're taking away your fish antibiotics. You're going to have to get a prescription for your guppy. No, you're not. Stop listening to those people. Well, uh, I went and asked Doc Bones about that. He gave me uh, a source for you so you can stop worrying. Um, I have a question about the, the, are there any decent commercial alternatives for biochar inoculation versus home-brewed compost tea? We'll talk about that. And the New York Post says keto is the worst diet for the environment. And everybody wants me to rip it to shreds. I'll do it a little bit. But I, what I want to talk about today is how, how these studies are guaranteed to give the result the people running the study want when they start. Because if you start with a fictitious premise, you're going to end up with a fictitious result. And if you choose the fictitious premise you begin with, you will get the result that you desire. All right, so that's what we got today. Before we do it all, let's go ahead and talk about our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is the Self-Reliance Festival in Camden, Tennessee, March 25th and 26th. 
Nicole Sauce works her butt off to make, and so does John Lewis, to make this just an awesome experience for people. And late March in Camden, Tennessee, it's like God's weather. It's going to be beautiful. You really want to go if you can. You're running out of time to get tickets. That's why I wanted to make sure we had it featured on today's show. Tons of really awesome speakers are going to be there. But the big deal is getting to meet lots of other really awesome people. You can learn more all about it. Uh, in the show notes today, and if you're watching the live feed, there is a link literally right down there in the video notes right now. You can click that link and you can find out all about how you can be part of it. Next up today, Paul Wheaton's back with a new Kickstarter. Might be his best one yet. I think it is personally. The Low Tech Lab movie. I played the audio for you on last Friday's show. Uh, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to get through the show a little bit quicker today if I can. But there is so much in this. Uh, and you get a ton of freebies if you'll back the Kickstarter for $1. Yes, $1 will get you a ton of freebies. And there's a list of them right there if you're watching the video. All that stuff is for a buck. Now, the, the, the catch, you have to back the Kickstarter in the first 48 hours after it goes live. And it's not live yet. So how would you absolutely know? When you use the link in the video or the audio notes, it'll take you to this page. You click there and you can get signed up so that when it goes live, you will get an email right away telling you it did. And then you can back it for a dollar and you can get all the free stuff. And you can decide if you want the actual movie that's being made. There is so much in this. Uh, I'm way more jazzed about this one, actually, than I was the uh, the last one. That, that Paul did. And I, I, I was really excited about that. I'm, I'm very excited about the Garden Master course. I haven't actually taken the time to uh, start watching it yet, but uh, I think it's a fantastic course. But this one's actually way more diverse. Uh, you got to check this out. And if nothing else, get, get, get the freebies for a buck. But make sure you're on the announcement list because you have me as an insider. You'll know when it goes live and you can get all those freebies for a dollar. Real quick, I am alone today. I am solo. That means that if you guys have questions or talking points for me today during the show, it is really important that you put your first few words in all caps in your comment. If you're in the live feed and I'll just going to if I see all caps at the beginning, I'm going to hit star and then hopefully we'll come back around to it. And please don't use all caps if you're not doing that, because I have to move quickly when I'm by myself and I, I can't really pay attention. I just see it off to the side. Boom. And I, I hit the start. All right. With that, let me also ask you guys, do you want wrath from the Eka mouse? Those in the live feed. Do you want the Eka mouse to be angry? Do you want her wrath to be fierce and terrible? Well, if you don't want that, then you better smash that like or Eka mouse will be angry and her wrath will be fierce and terrible. So make sure that you smash that like if you're watching this video. And I'll seriousness, guys, it really does help our video to gain traction, to reach more people, and to build a broader audience the more times you smash that like. And make sure you have your notices on and the little button click so that you get an email or an alert from YouTube whenever we go live, even though many of you have said you, you've done that and it doesn't happen. I can't control YouTube but you guys can control what you do to try to get it to do what it says it's supposed to do. All right. Jeff says, I hit the like. Don't hurt me. You know what? She won't. She'll be kind to you now, Jeff. But the other side is hitting the like doesn't hurt. It's really easy. It takes a second to do it. All right. So let's start off with the uh, Twitter poll results from last week. Uh, folks seem to really be enjoying this. 
And uh, I had some new ones last week for you guys. Uh, first one was which of these is supposed to say these. I have a typo there for those who read it. Is the most important to your preparedness plan? Yes, they are all important, but you have to pick one is the most important. That's how polls work, right? Uh, so food independence got 43.9%. Health independence got 14 Financial independence got 35.4 and energy independence only six. A lot of people in the comments said that if you have financial independence, it sort of solves the rest. I agree to a point, but if there is no food to buy, it doesn't matter how much money you have. So I would side with food independence, though I would definitely say if you gave me ranked choice, It'd be a very close runoff between food and financial independence for me personally. The thing I like about food independence, though, is it can be largely independent from financial independence. And what I mean by that is if you if you grow your own food, you don't need a lot of money to grow your own food. I hear a lot of talk today about how gardening is expensive and whatever. And let me tell you what, we gardened a lot when I was a kid and we were broker than broke. The broke people were like, damn, they broke. I mean, and we did it because it was, it gave us a financial positive ROI. Additionally, if you're concerned about financial independence, if you, if you start creating food independence, then you end up with greater financial independence. One cascades the other because it's it's an input that we have all the time that we have to go out and buy more food. Next next one last week was how would you describe the American Republic? Strong as ever, 1.9%. There's some delusional folks out there. Damaged but recovering, 1.5%. In a state of decline, 39%. The edge of collapse, 57.5%. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. When I look at how bad things are, edge of collapse really feels like the right answer. But when I look at actual timelines in a state of decline, I think is what I would have to side with on this one. Uh, I don't think either answer is wrong. I think edge of collapse is subjective and based on, you know, your opinion of what exactly the edge is. How fast is the how fast is the bus heading for the cliff? Uh, how do you derive the majority of your income? Another poll we had last week. I have a job, 74%. I run a business, 18%. Passive income, 3%. I'm retired, 45 Good for you guys that are retired. And uh, I hope people were able to differentiate themselves between passive income and retired. Retired in a conventional retirement, passive income is I have investments that pay me money and then I do whatever I want. It's still sort of retired. I would say I run a business would be my answer, but I also refer to myself as semi-retired because I do whatever the hell I want. So that's a good way to look at life, I think. Uh, if there's another pandemic and the government orders lockdowns, masking, mandatory vaccines, etc., again, how do you rate your willingness to comply? All comply to save lives, 1.9% of people. How do these people follow me or see my polls? I don't know. Minimal compliance means I'll do what I have to do to get by, 12.2%. No compliance this time, 28.4%. Didn't comply the first time, 57.6%. I bet you a lot of people in that 57.6 and say they didn't comply the first time mean that eventually they didn't comply. That they complied with certain things at the beginning and then their willingness to comply deteriorated very quickly over time. And I also think it would, you know, like I can only do so much with a Twitter poll, like, what does comply mean? Does it mean when you went to a restaurant, you wore a mask because the restaurant wouldn't let you in without the mask? 
you know, and, and, you know, how long did you tolerate that before you're like, I just don't need to go to this place. We basically did that one thing because we had restaurants that we really liked and we knew the owners or the managers of, and we didn't want them to go out of business. And it was the stupid thing where you wear the mask and you sit down. I did not wear a mask to go to the store. I went to the store. I walked into Walmart. Uh, Sir, would you like a mask? No, thanks. I've already got one. And I would walk around the store and, you know, they would sometimes somebody would come up and say something. A lot of times nobody would. Usually you'd get to the point of, you know, checking out and they refuse to check you out unless you put the mask on. So out comes the gator mask, which was literally the ruled to be the worst mask of all, worse than not wearing a mask at all, which makes no sense. Uh, and I would do that. Like, so is that minimal compliance? I don't know. I don't know. But I did get a lot of people saying, well, it depends, which, you know, is my favorite answer to most questions. And what they were saying is, is it a, is it a real disease? Is it is a real pandemic. Is it something that's actually dangerous? And so that to me would not be compliance with what the government said. That would be making a personal assessment of risk and saying, yeah, maybe if this is something like airborne Ebola, maybe I'm going to self quarantine till all these people die. I don't know. I don't consider that what I meant by this poll, and maybe I need to do a better job of explaining things when I run these polls. Is you don't want to do it. You don't think you need to do it, but you're going to do it because you're told to do it. That's what compliance means to me. Um, the last, last one, I thought it'd be interesting to find out where people get their health care coverage from. So how do you handle your health care coverage? Employer provided 74%. That lines up pretty well with where people get the, the, the derive most of their income from in our audience. Pay for standard insurance. That's 6.5%. That means you're self-employed or whatever, and you just buy insurance. Um, health share type plans, 6.9%. Those generally save you a lot of money if you qualify. Something else, comment below, 12.4%. A lot of the people that said uh, that they did something else were actually people that didn't have any at all. And they said that it just made financial sense to not even carry insurance uh, at all based on what the cost of insurance was. Uh, with that, I want to move on. Somebody sent me something. You guys know I have talked uh, about Bonhoeffer's uh, theory of stupidity a lot. And someone today sent me a YouTube video that I found very interesting. Uh, and that that video is uh, Chapola's Five Laws of Human Stupidity. This doesn't go back as far as Bonhoeffer. Uh, this goes back to... Um, the 1970s. And I figure I'll just play this for this video for you. And even if you're on the audio only, this is one of those videos where you didn't, you don't need to see the video. It doesn't hurt. It, it kind of enhances it because it isn't video. It's like one of the animation where they draw it as they talk videos, but uh, the audio alone will get the point across. We'll come back and we'll talk about this one. In 1976, Carlo Cipolla, a professor of economic history, derived a social law by which we can group people into four categories. The first he called the helpless. The second are the intelligent. The third are the bandits. And the last are the stupid. The stupid person is the most dangerous type of person and in groups far more powerful than the mafia, the military or communism, Cipolla warned. To arrive at this conclusion, we need to understand his five basic laws of human stupidity. One, 
Always and inevitably, everyone underestimates the number of stupid individuals in circulation. 2. The probability that a person is stupid is independent of any other characteristic of that person. Education, wealth or status have nothing to do with it. 3. A stupid person is someone who causes losses to other people while himself deriving no gain. 4. Non-stupid people always underestimate the damaging power of stupid people and keep forgetting that to deal with stupid people always turns out to be a costly mistake. 5. A stupid person is the most dangerous type of person, even more dangerous than a bandit. Chipola then considers four factors of human behavior. A person can cause benefits to others, benefits to themselves, losses to others, and losses to themselves. If Tom takes an action and suffers a loss, he's helpless. If Tom benefits himself while also benefiting Jerry, he's intelligent. If Tom helps himself but causes Jerry a loss, he's a bandit. And if Tom does something that's of no benefit to him but causes Jerry a loss, he's stupid. Ineffectual people are in the center. Let's now look at the effects of these groups on society. Helpless people contribute to society but are taken advantage of by others, especially bandits, and so their contribution is limited. Note that extreme altruists or pacifists may willingly accept a place in this category for moral reasons. Intelligent people contribute to society and leverage their contributions into reciprocal benefits. Their actions lead to a net gain to society, which is why helpless people should always support intelligent ones. Bandits pursue their own self-interest and enrich themselves, even when doing so poses a harm to society. Helpless and intelligent people should try to stop them. Stupid people always contribute to a net loss to society, but not only that, as they do so for no obvious reason. Their actions also frustrate, anger and confuse everyone else. Against major cultural trends among his fellow intellectuals, Cipolla was convinced that men are not equal, that some are stupid and others are not, and that the difference is determined by nature and nothing else. One is stupid in the same way one is red-haired, he wrote. Cipolla warned that the damaging potential of the stupid person therefore depends on the amount of stupidity inherited as well as their position of power in a society. Among bureaucrats, generals and politicians, one has little difficulty in finding clear examples of basically stupid individuals whose damaging capacity was alarmingly enhanced by the position of power they occupied. What are your thoughts on stupidity? Are people born or made stupid? Or is it, as usual, more complex, and is there an interrelationship between the two? Share your thoughts and read more about Jipola's work and amusing essay, which originally was only intended for friends, in the descriptions below.
All right, guys. Um, I find that really interesting. And I find it interesting due to the fact that, in my opinion, there is a significant divergence from Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity and a significant amount of things that the two theories agree on. So the, the key difference here between Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity and uh, Chipola's uh, five laws of stupidity is Bonhoeffer stated that stupid people were made stupid and that stupid, in his opinion, did not mean intellectually slow, where Chipola is talking about actual stupid, like Ron White, you can't fix stupid, stupid. I think there are both forms of stupidity. And before we move on to Chipola's uh, version, let's just prove Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity that people can be who are not in general stupid can be made stupid. And all you have to do is look at the last three years and look at the way people behave during the COVID pandemic. That's all you got to do. And you can see that people can be made stupid. That they'll shriek and yell and holler that some guy, I literally had people tell me that I was the reason that their elderly parent, who probably doesn't exist in the context I'm about to give you, died in a nursing home in Seattle because I was fishing by myself alone in the woods. Now, I don't believe that all of these people meet Chipola's version of stupid. I believe you can cause a person to be stupid. I also believe that a person can be educated in the stupidity. If you are a, a rather intelligent person, but you're brought up in a society and from kindergarten through university, you're taught things that are false from people you trust, you can then behave like a stupid person even though you're not intellectually stupid. However, Chapala is not wrong. I think there are people who are stupid. They are stupid, and I don't know that you can ever educate them out of stupidity. You can cure ignorance. You can't cure true, innate, stupid. I do believe there are people out there who have, let's say, an IQ in the 80s or lower, that those people are stupid. And you can try to rationalize away. IQ tests are not really indicative of intelligence. That's you being educated in the stupidity. Now, I don't think that necessarily the person with a 135 IQ is superior to one person with a 125. But having taken a few IQ tests in my time, if you can't get into the, 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 the hundred, you can't get into three digits, then you, you, you're, you're, you're suffering from a lack of intellectual capability or at least willingness to try on the test. And if you don't believe that there are people who are just stupid, then you just need to think about your life and people you've interacted with and how many times have you thought, gee, that person is stupid. And I, I think that what we can really take from this and, and the big unifying thing between Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity, and for those that don't know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a minister, a philosopher, and a writer in Nazi Germany during the lead up to and through World War II. He actually died uh, in a concentration camp just a little bit before the end of the war. And Tom, I love what Tom's saying here. Tom, Tom, the web server dude for TSP. If you don't think people are stupid, then you are likely a stupid one. I, I, I would agree. But so Bonhoeffer was arrested by the Nazis for talking about this theory of stupidity and people being made stupid and not being necessarily intellectually slow. But what he said was that the stupid person is more dangerous than any other person in society because of the laws of large numbers 
and that a stupid person can be led to do things that were very dangerous to society, and there wasn't really a lot of ways to prevent it. And so the commonality there is Chipola is saying that the most dangerous person is also the stupid person. And I don't think it matters how we get to stupid, that the stupid person is the most dangerous because they're willing to do things that are harmful to others in society for no personal gain. At least as he calls it, the bandit is doing it for personal gain. So, you know, it's there's something in it for them. That means that you can understand why they're doing what they're doing. That means it's a lot easier to defend against a nefarious person than a stupid person. And I really like that Chipola goes into there are examples of people in government, high-ranking officials in the military and the government, that because they were both stupid and had power, they were even more dangerous. You know, because a stupid person with a gas can can, can blow up you and your, your neighbors and burn down a neighborhood. But a stupid person with an army behind them can burn down a country. Hmm? Yeah. A stupid person with money to fund a war can cause another stupid person running a country to burn their own country to the ground. Yeah. An evil man will burn his own country to the ground rather than lose control of it. I, I'm not, that's not exactly uh, right, but it is a, a paraphrase quote from The Art of War. An evil man will burn his own country to the ground rather than lose control over it. Sounds very, very familiar to me. But what happens when we add a little bit of woke to an already flawed society? What happens when we start appointing people to major positions of power, not just because they were kind of in the order and it, they somehow lucked themselves into some level of higher achievement or they were somebody's lackey that ended up taking their place or something. What happens when we start saying, you know what we really need in this incredibly powerful position is someone that's transgender or a woman of color or a gay person or whatever. There's nothing wrong, in my opinion, with any of those, like a person that is any of those things that doesn't bother anybody, that is either intelligent or helpless, right? Those people don't cause any trouble. But when you get somebody that's stupid and they're given a position of power just because they sit within a protected class, then you get all of these things that we were warned about in the 70s and with Bonhoeffer the 30s on steroids. Tell me this isn't America today. Tell, tell, me, tell me this isn't Western society today. And it's going to keep getting worse. I just read something. Um, one of the uh, the organizations that does powerlifting competitions was told by the courts that they have to let transgendered athletes compete. Right. So now you have men that pretend to be women competing in weightlifting against women. This is destroying women's sports. This is this is all signs, in my opinion, of a decaying society of the end of an era, the end of an epoch, call it whatever you want to, the, the, the reality of weak men making hard times in the fourth turning. You, I don't care how you phrase it, but when the stupid come to power, real power, then you end up with where we are. And then all you got to do is look at history and you know what comes next. A, 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 a true collapse, a true collapse. And that's what we're heading for right now is a true collapse of society. 
And that takes me to our next story, which when I first bring it up, you might be like, I don't know that that really shows a collapse of society, Jack, but I think you have to really look at it. So this was just announced. Walmart is closing its last stores in Portland, Oregon permanently. There will be no more uh no more Walmart in Portland. And they give the basic explanation here. I have a link in the notes today so that you can see all the source documents like I always do. I always source everything that I claim. We call that journalism, even though I don't fancy myself a journalist, just a podcaster. But I think I do better journalism than most of the people in what we would call the MSM, right? So the the the, the, the politically correct means by which Walmart extricated themselves from Portland was these stores just aren't meeting our financial expectations. You know, Wall Street speak. But do you think that's really why? Anybody out there in a live stream, love to hear from you. Do you believe that bullshit? Do you think that a Walmart store in Portland, Oregon, a city of that size with that many people and that breadth of product can't make a profit? Does that make sense to you? If all things were the same, if it, why would Portland's Walmart be any less profitable than, let's say, Fort Worth's uh, Walmart? Why? It doesn't really make any sense. Now, you might say, well, you know, Portland has artificially uh, inflated uh, uh, minimum wage, but I believe it's $15 an hour, and I think Walmart self-imposed minimum wage is like 14 so all you would do is just charge a little bit more. No, it doesn't make sense, does it? You know what makes sense? A city like Portland that's letting people rob places blind, that's letting people go in and throw shit all over the place and cause trouble and not prosecuting those people. Don't you think if you're the CEO of Walmart, right, don't you think that you just might say, you know what the hell with this? Kelly says Walmart can't can't prosecute theft because it'll be seen as racist and unwoke. Can't prosecute theft, then their profit is walking out the door. You're on it, but Walmart doesn't prosecute anything. Prosecutors prosecute. This is the state not doing its job. That's what's going on here. This is these policies having run their course for as long as, as they have and the eventual reality coming to strict Financial decisions. If you have people that can walk into our store, take merchandise, and walk out without paying it with no recourse, that trend will only continue. And if there is no way for it to be reversed, then any sensible business would say, I'm out of here. Now, I don't think that it has anything to do with whether or not they'll press charges. No. I do think the wording of this is like, Let's extricate ourselves without pissing off the woke in the places where we still make money. I don't think for one minute that if you went into a Walmart store, smashed a bunch of shit, walked out the door with, with, with merchandise, the police were called and you were arrested, that, that they would say, don't press charge. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a minute. And if you do, I suggest you come over here to Fort Worth, Dallas area. Go into a Walmart store, shoplift, and see if your ass doesn't go to jail. Because I'm telling you right now, your ass will go to jail like that. Which is why they're not closing stores here. In fact, they're opening more. That's what's going on. 
The state is not doing its one actual job. As much as I hate the state, the justification for it is one thing and one thing only. Protecting rights and property the end. If you want to call it two, you can call it two. But that's it. That is the purpose of the state. That is the very thing that you make the deal with Satan for, the protection of rights and property the end. What about my national defense? That would be the defense of rights and property if it were defense. Defense. Uh, Kelly says, I live in California. As long as you don't steal more than $950 of merchandise, you're only going to end up with a misdemeanor. Yeah. This is this is what's going on. And my wife and I had a conversation about this very issue. And personally, I don't think that Walmart or any of these big retailers or big stores in general are closing enough stores. I think they should close more. Because you could put a stop to this shit like that because these cities and these municipalities that do this stupid shit, that let people steal and, and commit vandalism and do not prosecute them, they can only handle so many big companies walking out the door before they collapse on themselves. So if I were CEO of any store, Inc., I don't care if it's Walmart, Target, I don't care what it is. I'm just saying that I can close some stores and not go out of business. I get why the small one or two store operation hangs in there. It's all they got. But if I'm CEO of a big megacorp and they come to me and they say, Mr. CEO, we have a problem with our store in Los Angeles. And I go, well, what's going on? Well, people are stealing. Okay, call the cops. Okay, we do, and they don't really do anything about it. Great. I need my PA, right, my personal assistant, get me a phone call scheduled in the next day at the latest with the mayor of Los Angeles. That's what I'm going to do. Don't take my call, bitch. Go ahead and see what happens. Then you won't know it before it happens, right? Like, He's either taking my call and this, I'm going to give you the call, how it's going to go down next. Or you don't take my call, close all the Los Angeles stores right now, send a letter to the mayor explaining why. I'll dictate it to you. Yep. When I get up the mayor on the phone, hello, Mr. Mayor. It's my understanding that you're not prosecuting people for shoplifting and vandalism in our stores at any meaningful level. Therefore, you're risking my merchandise, my profit, and my people's safety. Therefore, I need a commitment from you to start doing your job your one effing job by the end of this month, or I will close every store in your city. And you can tell me if you're going to do it right now. Well, I would like to stay. Okay. If you're going to read me some bullshit, I'll just close the stores right now. I don't want a politically correct statement. I want a yes or no. Are you going to enforce your own effing laws? No. Okay. Close the stores. That's what I would do. And whoever was the overriding authority where it was going on, a county commissioner or whatever, you're not going to enforce the law. You're not going to defend my property. You're not going to protect my people. You're not going to ensure our profit. You're not going to ensure the safety of our fellow, of the fellow shoppers there because this, this is, this is just going to get worse. I'm going to close the stores. How long do you think that would go on? Especially if like, you know, I phoned up my fellow CEO of like Target and these other stores that fill the things and say, Hey, why don't we all do this? Why don't we all do this? That's that's my collusion. You know, no, not not closing stores because they're not being defended. That's not racketeering. That's not trying to force anybody out. That's a voluntary. Hey, look, we're done. You don't want to defend our property and our profit, our employees and our customers from violence and theft. We're out. Bye.
It would end it like that. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But they don't have the stones. They don't have the cojones. Basically, Donald Trump said a lot of dumb shit and a lot of smart shit. And one of the smart things that Donald Trump said was everything woke goes to shit. And that's what this is. And while Walmart won't step up and say while they're, why they're doing it, it's what's happening. It's what's happening. Uh, next up, what I got for you is a story out of California. I don't know if you paid attention to what's going on here, but apparently there's some snow in California. And in San Bernardino County up in the mountains, there's residents trapped in their homes. And the sheriff says, help is on the way. Road crews are making progress on clearing the roads and getting res- getting to residents on Friday. Um, they have lost power and they're stranded and they can't get out. And there is a picture for those watching of what the snow up there looks like. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's winter. And winter and mountains, snow happens. Okay, these people live there. This is not the first time it snowed there. They didn't get 12 inches of snow in freaking Honolulu or Houston. This is the mountains of San Bernardino. It might be a bit of a heavy snowfall, even some might say a blizzard for this time of year. But you know when you move there that this is the kind of thing that can happen. This storm was forecasted over a week in advance. It's coming. It's going to be serious. You're going to get a shitload of snow. And when you get a shitload of snow, you often lose power and you get stuck. Be prepared. And they didn't. But this this was sent to me by a friend named Mark, who comes to a lot of our workshops and stuff like that. Very smart man. And he said the most sickening thing in this to him was that the people that were complaining as they're getting messages out, however they're doing, I guess cell phones or whatever, our food is spoiling. Wait a minute. (laughs) Your effing house is surrounded with snow. And you're not smart enough to take your food out of your refrigerator and put it in the snow to keep it safe to eat. You can't figure that out. Hey, guess what? Chipola's five laws of human stupidity. One of the laws is you always underestimate the number of stupid people that actually exist. Can you imagine? I don't think there's anybody in this audience that if your house had two or three foot of snow outside of it, and you were worried about the food in your refrigerator, you wouldn't either take the food to the snow or some of you would switch on to, wait a minute, we can make some space in the refrigerator and the freezer, and we have a giant cooler, and then we can go bring the snow and use it as a cooling element in the refrigerator. Or, wait a minute, I have some freaking coolers in the garage. We can also put the food in the cooler, put the cooler outside and the snow in the cooler, and this shit would be good until the snow melted, at which point we wouldn't have a problem anymore. Yeah, yeah. Packrat says, hold up. Hold, yeah, it's true, dude. Read the freaking article. These dumbasses can't figure out to use the cold snow to keep the food cold. I bet they're trying to figure out how they can get to the store and buy themselves some ice. You want to bet? You want to bet there's not something like, man, if we could get to the store, we could buy some bags of ice, put our food in the cooler, put the ice on the food, we'd be good. 
And, and somebody might be like, hey, I, I got an idea. There's snow out there. Why don't we put the snow with the food? Oh, the snow's dirty. It comes out of the sky, man. Global warming's inside it. Like, this is, this is proof. You know? GMA Merkel says, if we removed warning labels, stupid people would die off. I think more of them would die off than do now, but I don't know that they would. I, do you really think warning labels actually help stupid people? Do you think anybody's like, you know what? I'm going to iron my clothes on my body with a hot iron, and they're about to do it. And they're like, oh, what's this? Do not iron clothes on body. Check that shit out next time you buy a new iron before you pick the tag off of it. Oh, shit, I better not do that, right? You know, do not use in water for your toaster. Do you think that, like, they're going to take a bath with their toaster, and then they read that and don't do it? I don't, I don't buy that. I don't think the, the warning labels really help that many people. I think they prevent lawsuits is what they actually do. I do personally think that we should change not, not the letters that spell OSHA, but what the letters mean, right? OSHA is the Occupational Safety Hazard Association or something like that. I think we should call it the Organization Saving Helpless Assholes. That's what OSHA is. And... Uh, one step closer says those Californians are waiting for someone else to fill their coolers with snow. They might be, but they're actually angry that no one has come and got them out yet. Now, it's easy to sit back and mock them because they're in California. Let me tell you something about these people in this part of California. First of all, this isn't where you have your blue dog Democrats. This is a much more conservative red part of California so you can't just blame it all on Democrats being stupid, can you? This is the mountains. People that live there have seen it snow before, unless they moved there like in August this last year. This this should not happen. But they are they have this entitlement attitude that, hey, I'm a taxpayer, somebody should come get me. And you can't blame it just on California. Is this not the same shit that happened with Katrina? People sitting on the roof, we'd like to be rescued now, please. Why didn't someone come and get us? I've seen this happen all over the country. I think stupid is the real virus out there, and it's spreading. It's spreading, and I don't. I agree with a lot of what I, what I shared with you today from Chipola's uh, Five Laws of Stupidity, but do not tell me a person cannot, that is otherwise intelligent cannot be made stupid. And they play games with stupid people. Gregory's astute to this right now. Gregory Jeansom says, Walmart's statement is true when you take into account the actual loss of potential losses. Yes, legalese, they went out and they said something that wouldn't offend the wokes, but yet they basically were saying, yeah, we can't make money because of the wokes. Uh, Chaos Actual says, things are getting spicy everywhere. Any short-term advice? Stay away from stupid people if you can. Here's the bigger thing. The more stupid people around you, the more dangerous things are, right? So I don't actually believe that when you go from an area of high-density population to an area of low-density population, that you really have a lower percentage of stupid. I think there's plenty of stupid people in the city. I think there's plenty of super stupid people in the country, and I think there's plenty of stupid people way out there. I think stupid is pretty evenly distributed in our society, unfortunately. 
However, if I'm in a high density place and I have a thousand people that are, you know, close enough to me to do me harm, I have a lot more stupid people to pay attention to than if I'm in a place where there's a hundred people close enough to do me harm. So I don't think it's that you get away from stupid. I think it's you reduce the numbers of stupid and, you know, the intelligent people and the harmless people have a little bit less to defend against. And that's a big part of why I, uh, I've been suggesting that you get the hell out of the cities. Moving on, let's keep going. I had a question about Roth, or I'm sorry, IRAs with Bitcoin. And the person said, basically, you say that we should self-custody our Bitcoin. So if I have an IRA, you know, with, with choice or unchained capital or somebody like that, um, and the government sends them a letter and says, please seize Bill's money, wouldn't they do it? Well, I think that is highly dependent on the type of account you have with them. So both of those companies, Choice and Unchained, have different options, and your fees are lower if they do all custody for you. And I personally think I wouldn't take that option anyway. There's basically... Three ways that IRA companies that handle Bitcoin and other crypto investments allow you to handle things. One is they it's like a regular IRA. They are basically the custodian of everything. They have the private keys. That way you can't lose them. Uh, that way, when your will is served, they know who to give the money to, whatever. Right. And that is the one that most people think of. And that is the cheapest one because it's less work for them. And it's not what I would do. You also have self-directed IRAs where you can do all the reporting yourself. But if you get something wrong, then you can get in trouble. If they get something wrong, they get in trouble. You're just a customer. Right. Then you have um, full self-custody of the keys, but they have oversight of the account. So you keep your keys. They don't have any keys. You can take the money anytime you want, but they're going to report early withdrawals or, or what have you. So, I mean, the nice thing about that is if you had to haul ass to another country, you still have access to your money and there's nothing that they can do to keep the money in there because you have the private keys. Then there's a third option, which may have actually a lot of benefits because you still have your option. They still can't take your Bitcoin and it's called multi-sig. Now, the way multi-sig works is instead of one private key to unlock your Bitcoin, you need two. But there's three. This is the most common version anyway. There's three keys. And let's say you were using choice. Well, choice would have a key and you'd have two keys. You separate your two keys into two different locations. If you need access and you can prove who you are, they're required by their own policy to give you the other key. Now you have two. Yeah. But you always had two. And any two of the three will unlock the Bitcoin. Why would that be advantageous? Let's say you did lose one. Okay. Well, now you have recourse, right? Let's say you died. Well, what you could do is you could put one of the two keys into your probate and will and trust. And you don't have to worry that your lawyer is going to go steal it because it can't. But at the execution of the will, the... Um, the executor of the will would provide the information from the will to the custodian who would then with the, the key provided distribute based on the will, your assets. So there's some value in a multi-sig arrangement like that, whether it's in an IRA or just some people just hold their Bitcoin 
right? And they do multi-sig for that very type of thing as a redundancy in case I lose a key and as a way to have to be able to provide to your heirs half the information that they need to claim their share of things. But in a way where, you know, if they decide they just want your money, they go out on a bender, they can't go taking it earlier. What have you? So there's a there's a lot to that. Deca Mouse is on it, guys. I'm telling you, I built a banner just for her. You better smash that like or you're going to be in trouble. The Eka Mouse's wrath is terrible. Do not risk it. Smash that like. All right. So, yeah, that's that's how you handle that. It's pretty, pretty simple. Next up, there has been a ton of stuff about this new regulation with antibiotics. And I think it's actually a good thing that people are concerned about it. What it means to me is if you're concerned about this, that you've probably taken the information and you've stockpiled some antibiotics in case you need them. And so for those who haven't ever heard this before, there is no place where they make fish antibiotics. There are bottles that they put the fish antibiotics in, but uh, all the, the various common antibiotics that are out there are used in various applications in um aquariums, uh, fish mocks, uh, fish tetracycline, things like that. And this, this, it's the exact same medication that your doctor prescribes to you when you get a course of antibiotics. Yeah. And you know, it's the same because you can open the bottle and you can take a prescription antibiotic and you can put them side by side. They're the same pill manufactured in the same facility. And if you think about and the same dosage, and if you think about it, it would make sense. Because you can't afford to have an antibiotics manufacturing facility for fish antibiotics. It's not doable. And you can't put something in the fish antibiotics that would make it unhealthy for a human to take because when you put it into an aquatic ecosystem, you would really wreck your fish. So it's, it's the only way to make antibiotics available for the treatment of uh, tropical fish is to use the same thing that makes it's the only way it makes sense. All right. So with that, people like Doc Bones have put this information out and people have figured out, hey, I can I can get this stuff. And then that way, at least I have it in case, you know, grid down. We have somebody with a serious infection that needs antibiotics. We have the antibiotics. They're available. And, and Doc Bones says, I'm not saying you go out and buy this stuff. And the next time you get sick, decide for yourself, I need tetracycline and start taking antibiotics. That's not what I'm saying. While there's medical care available, use it. Well, there's this new regulation that was passed about two years ago, and it's taken a lot of the antibiotics that were available to people for animal husbandry and said, now you need a prescription if you want these antibiotics. And so a lot of the backbencher, clickbait, FUD-induced people, you got to get them now, man, it's government's coming to take them just like you're going to take your guns, and then there's going to be Biden bucks, and then you're all going to die. Ah! Okay, shut up. It, 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 this new regulation has zero impact on tropical fish antibiotics, the end, infinity. Might someday they close that loophole. Sure. Well, they're just seeing it. Shut up. I'm so sick of these people. They're floating it to see if they No, they don't float shit to see if they can get away with it. They do whatever the hell they want to do whenever the hell they want to do it. But for now... If you want to stock up on antibiotics, and I have them for my fish, so they could be used for me or my family if necessary, you can do it now, and you'll be able to do it after this summer as well, unless something new comes out. If something new comes out, I promise you, since 
uh, Doc Bones is so big on this, he will tell you. He will tell me and I will tell you what have you. That's why we have an expert counsel so that we stay on top of all this stuff. So I'm telling you right now, there are prepper blogs and shit like that, YouTube channels that have deals with affiliate commission to sell this stuff, and that's why they're hyping it. That's why they're hyping it. Or they just straight hype it to get views. I don't do that type of thing. You guys know that. I don't sell fear. I teach empowerment. That's what I do. And so I will not lie to you to get more from you, and I will not lie to you to scare you, and I will not lie to you to make you calm either. If they were really doing it, I would say you should probably go out and stock up on it Store it properly, and it's good for 10, 15 years or more. I don't care what the expiration date is because we've covered that as well, that all of these medis- these uh, expiration dates on drugs is bullshit, and it's designed by the drug companies to, you guessed it, sell more drugs. The only thing that happens to these drugs as they expire is their efficacy declines across time. So... That's something that can be compensated for. You give a recommended dose. You observe a result. If you're not getting the result you want, you slightly increase the dosage. And Doc has talked about that many times. Maybe I'll have him do some follow-up on on that particular thing because that applies to all drugs because I believe this. You know, they say, when you get a prescription drug, if you don't end up needing to use 100% of your prescription, you need to properly dispose of it. Yeah, bullshit. Bullshit. No freaking way. You store it properly. You obviously don't give it to your children to take it like jelly beans, but you store it properly, and that way you have it if there is a need. I don't know. Maybe it's just the anarchist in me that feels that way. But stop freaking out about it. There's nothing to worry about. Uh, Another person emailed me and said, are there any decent alternatives for biochar inoculation versus home-brewed compost, tea, garret juice, or what have you? Okay, so here's, here's my feeling on things that we would call uh, commercial versions of compost teas. There are some that are useful for what they are, but they're not going to be very useful for aerobic beneficial microorganisms. So they might have some beneficial anaerobes in them, like effective microbes or something like that. But the beneficial microorganisms that we generally are doing when we make compost tea are aerobic bacterium and aerobic fungi. And so what we do is we take a certain amount of compost. We need it to be good compost. We put it in something like a, it looks like a big tea bag. Paint strainer bags are good for this. Burlap, uh, sandbags, whatever. Anything good flow through it. We put it into a vessel with water, like a five gallon bucket or a 30 gallon trash can. We put some, uh, air stones on the end of an aquarium pump. We put that down in there and we bubble it. And we bubble it because the critters need oxygen, O2. And by giving them lots of oxygen in that environment, they, they, they are fruitful and they multiply. As soon as you turn off the air, they start to die very, very quickly. If you put them in a jug and put them on a shelf and ship them to somebody months later, they're all dead. Now, their corpses are useful to plants, but they're not in there to do the biological activity. This is important beyond biochar, just that you understand this. This is just how this works. There's two things that will kill your beneficials in a batch of compost tea. One is the oxygen gets turned off. The other is they need to eat. They're living things. They don't live very long. They have very short lives, and they're very quick to multiply. That's why you can make badass compost tea in 24 to 48 hours. When you do that, what you feed them with is organic 
horticultural molasses, sugar. If they eat all the sugar, they will also begin to die. If they overpopulate, they will also begin to die. That's why most people say brew your compost tea for 24 to 48 hours. A week is not better. Yeah. So if you want to inoculate biochar with living critters, then there really isn't a good commercial alternative. Now, if you can find a really high quality compost, soil mix, what have you, with living beneficials in it, like Fox Farms potting soil, if it is properly cared for and it's not three years old and dried out. So if you were buying it, I would go to a local place where you can go pick the bag up. And if it's really light and dried out, I promise you almost everything there is now dead, even though it's still good quality for what it is. You could use that and brew compost tea with it. You can use things like Fox Farm makes a very uh, good, they call it a fertilizer, but really what it is is the dry uh, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, inanimate. It's not inanimate. It's uh, like, it's almost like a suspended animation of the little critters in a powder form, which you can do that because they kind of go to sleep. They're not in water. They're not derived, you know, denied oxygen. So they just kind of go into a slumber, like a suspended animation. Like we're sending somebody to, to, to another solar system or something and they sleep for 30 years and wake up there and they're not older, like kind of like that. And that can be pitched into when you're making compost tea, right? So those are ways you could sort of get around it. But there's another thing to this. We don't necessarily need to brew up beneficial microorganisms to inoculate biochar. There's other things we can inoculate biochar, minerals and nitrogen. So you could inoculate biochar with human urine and you're basically making a high nitrogen fertilizer. If I remember right, the numbers are something like it's a 1222. On the NPK scale, if you use urine for inoculation, you could also like you have your kiln, you quench, you have a big kiln full of biochar soup. You could dump kelp meal and liquid kelp in there, maybe liquid fish, stir that up and let it sit and then drain it the next day. And I would if I did that, by the way, I would capture that drainage and I would use it as plant food elsewhere would be excellent for that because minerals inside there, nitrogen inside there, et cetera, those things don't die. They're in or they're, 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 they're not living. So they're fairly permanent. So I am actually going to start as, and I, I think I skipped over my biochar thing. I didn't show it to you. I'm going to have to find that and show it to you guys before we wrap up today. My, uh, my dirty face from my biochar. I'll get that up on the screen for you in just a second. Anyway, um, you, you can definitely do that. And I'm going to start taking that approach right in the kiln. Now, the kiln that I have right now, it actually um, it has a little gap in the bottom. It's a cone and it's put together with pop rivets and it has a base on it. But there's this, the, the, the base is not welded to uh, the sidewalls. And the way you use it is you put dirt in the bottom. And then when you quench, the dirt rinses out and it drains. So if I did that now in the kiln itself, I would be wasting the inoculum because it would not spend that much time in there before it all ran out. Um, but I am about to build a new kiln out of a 55-gallon drum on its side. 
and an adapter a friend is helping me make to be able to quench from the bottom. And when I start doing that, I absolutely am going to start inoculating with these things right at the end of the burn. And that can sit in there for a couple days and then drain it out. And then that'll bring me to what I wanted to show you guys here. Let me get this up on screen. I have been told over and over and over again that you cannot crush biochar with a wood chipper. Because if you use a wood chipper, it's going to make a giant cloud of, of, of dust, and it's going to cover the whole neighborhood and everything in biochar dust. So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how all these other things that we do with biochar, like crushing it, like putting it into uh, bedding for wild livestock and what have you, um, everybody just says, well, if it's damp, it's not dusty. I thought, well, shit, if it's wet, it won't make a mess. So if, you, if you're watching a live stream right now, on the screen right there is some biochar that yesterday I put through my, my chipper shredder. It is absolutely 100% perfect. I could not ask for better results than I have with, with the wood chipper. It's, I think, actually, in the picture, it's a little bit hard to really see that the size is almost perfect. The biggest pieces are about the size of a grain of rice. They look a little bigger in the picture because it's wetter than it should be, so they're really sticking together. So I let the people on YouTube that I tell you not to get in your head get in my head. And what I did, I took my first bucket that I put through the chipper shredder. I put them in a five-gallon bucket that I used for growing uh, sunflower sprouts, so it has a bunch of little holes in the bottom. I filled it up with water and I waited for it to drain and thought, well, it's good and wet now. And it made paste and it spurted goop everywhere and it bogged down the dadgum shredder. And I thought maybe I screwed it up really good. Shut it off. It backfired. Oh, my God, did I blow a rod or something. And I uh, hosed it out, dumped it out a couple of times, fired it up, threw some regular wood chips through it a couple of times to kind of clean it out. And went, yeah. Then I took the rest of the biochar that had simply been quenched a few days ago and not rewetted. I took a bucket of that and I put it through there nice and slow. And it did spurt some little bits here and there and, and what have you. But it, it, the rest of it went through there and it came out beautiful. It came out beautiful. It was easy. It was fast. You want to kind of go slow as you dump it in there. But mine has a place where like all your little twigs and leaves and stuff. And there's a flap. And if you take that flap and pick it up, you can put a five-gallon bucket in there. And the vibrations are like a perfect speed. It, it self-feeds. That way you could step away from it. And that way you won't look like this. Uh, <laughs> and I'm laughing because I can see it. And there's probably people laughing right now that are in the live feed. And if you're in the audio, you'll have to look it up to see it. Or at least go to my Twitter and find the picture. I didn't know that this picture was going to happen and so it actually looks less bad than it was. So I had taken my shirt off and used my shirt to wipe my face. Uh, but this was what remained. And my wife's like, hold on, hold on, I got to get a picture of that. So she took a picture of me. Uh, a lot of people said I looked like I'd run away from like a headhunter tribe in New Zealand or something and managed to escape. I'm a coal miner's son. I'll tell you what, I've, I've, I've been a coal miner and I've busted used tires down for a living. I've looked far worse than this. We suffer for science, and by doing so, we learn new things. So what I'm going to tell you is if you want to use a chipper shredder uh, to break down your biochar, it does need to be damp. It does not need to be wet, and it probably shouldn't be wet. And if it is wet, it will make paste. And the picture I didn't include in this 
is when I got all that goop out of there, there's a a pile on the ground outside right now that looks like tar. I'm going to wait for it to dry. Very fine paste biochar gunk. And so I just won't ever do that again. Now, I'd have two things I'm thinking about. One would be the trip chipper shredder I have has an output spout that comes out at about a 30-degree angle, maybe 60-degree angle at the end of it, and it is designed to put wood chips into a steel trash can. It is engineered to do that. So you take your steel trash can, you set it right there outside the chute, you throw your wood chips through it, and it fills up the can. That way you don't have to pick them up off the ground. One of the reasons I bought it. It's still like, man, that comes out of there so fast. A lot of it bounces. It hits the side of the can, et cetera. I think there's two options here. One would be to create some sort of a tent, as long as it's not going to lay up against the motor of the chipper shredder and catch on fire or smoke or burn, because burning and and biochar are not good together, right? Uh, The other would be to come up with something like maybe just buying a couple of the bags that they use for the big leaf blower and the big leaf vacuums. And just tie the bag on the on the sprout on the uh, on the stack, the discharge stack, and just let it fill the bag up. And that's also going that will 100% catch everything that doesn't bounce out the other. So some of it does bounce out the other side. You use a little bit, but it was so much faster. And so many people were saying, like, I just drive over mine with a truck. I drove over it with my truck. I drove over it with my tractor. I drove over it with my car. I tried it on the gravel driveway. I put down plywood so it was a flat mat. I put it between two pieces of plywood. I put it in my garage and drove over it in the garage so it was a hard surface, no give. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of it still didn't pass through a quarter-inch screen. And it took a lot of time and doing it more than once and blah, blah, blah. I stuck that stuff through there. Honestly, a five-gallon bucket. Uh, doing it slow so you're not overloading the machine because of what you're putting through it, it's about two minutes per five-gallon bucket. A burn gives me three, three-and-a-half buckets, It's so, and the product is so superior. This is what I'm doing from now on, but my schedule is going to be, let's say I do a burn Friday, I quench Friday evening, I let it drain out. Uh, Sunday, Monday-ish, it goes through the chipper shredder while it's still damp. And if it's in buckets, trust me, it stays damp a lot longer than that. You know it's damp because if you've ever picked up a five-gallon bucket of bone-dry biochar and a five-gallon bucket of damp biochar, there is a huge difference in weight because, again, biochar, a pound of biochar can hold up to seven pounds of water. Damp, not wet. Put it through the chipper shredder. If you can come up with a better way to contain it, all the better. But it does work. It doesn't make a giant black cloud. It is the easiest thing to do. Now, Moving on to our last story of the day. Boy, that went fast, didn't it, today? Why keto and paleo diets are the worst popular weight loss fads. Colon study. Now, what have I taught you? If you see a claim of an article at a newspaper, magazine, etc., and it ends with colon, semicolon, or comma, and then experts say, study, insiders claim, whatever it is, a what? From the Illuminatus Trilogy, we've learned. Or from Principa Discordia, we've learned. What is it? It's the Fenord, F-N-O-R-D. A piece of information in plain sight. They're giving you disinformation, and they're not even really hiding it, but most people that read it will believe it. So this is part of the problem that comes with all of these so-called studies, right? 
if you begin with a false premise, you will end up with a false resort. And if you want to have your IQ lowered by reading that article, I have a link in the video or the show notes for the audio side that will go up about an hour from right now. So the whole premise of this is animal-based diets are bad for the planet. So they didn't this – is, this is so common in so-called science today. They didn't start out with – are animal diet based diets really bad for the planet? They didn't do that. They just said, we all know it is. So which diet is worse? A diet that uses no animals or a diet that uses all animals? And son of a gun, if they're, you know, a study that took them from 2019 till now to get done with said that if you're a ketivore or a carnivore, your diet's the worst for the planet because, gee, did you need a study if you were going to start from that premise? This completely ignores everything that we know and everything we've learned about agriculture. So according to these people that did this study, it is worse for the environment if you have a cow that eats grass, that grows back, that takes it the grass that it eats, ruminates it, puts it down on the ground, and grows more grass with it, fertilizing and improving soil, than if we till a field for soybeans, we kill every single thing in that field, we spray it with herbicides and pesticides. We fertilize it. Over half of the fertilizer we put down runs into the ocean. That's better for the environment than eating a cow that eats grass that grows back. Yeah. Chipola would be proud, man. I don't know if he's still kicking or anything. He wrote that back in the 70s, the five laws of stupidity. He may be long since gone. I don't know how old he was when he wrote that. But I think we would do him proud with how stupid you have to be to even believe this. A grazing system sequesters carbon. And again, we're making another assumption that carbon itself is bad. But a grazing civil pasture rotational system of ruminants sequesters carbon into the ground. Why would it be worse? Why would it be worse? And the answer is it wouldn't. You have to you have to have turned your back on reality to come up with this. But if you gave me parameters, let's say I was a student in a doctoral program because I was dumb enough to do that in college. And uh, you said, I need you to do this study work for me. And I said, but this is flawed. They said, I don't care. Your parameters are these parameters. I'm going to come up with the same result they did. This is this is a pattern in so-called science. And a lot of times it's not even the person doing the work like I just described. You can take completely independent researchers, but if you give them the parameters, that we are already taking it as a fact that the more animal product in your diet, the worse it is for the environment, right? You also, also call them fads. They're still fads. Aren't fads something that quickly pass? It's... Is rap music a fad? It's been around in earnest since the 1980s. I don't care for it, but I wouldn't call it a fad. You know, when I was a kid in the 80s when rap really caught on, and I didn't like it back then either. And I, I you know, even as a young kid, I, I knew what a fad was. I'm like, this is a fad. This will go away. You know, five years into it, I went, okay, it's not a fad. I'm stuck with it whether I want it or not. It's not going anywhere. It's not a fad. You know, Paleo and keto diets are the original human diet. 
Humans were around long before there was a thing called agriculture. And prior to that, that's what humans ate. It's, it's, it's an ancestrally appropriate diet. That's what it is. But back to the whole way we rig scientific studies. If you set parameters in such a way, you can predetermine the result and you could have the most honest, informed researcher in the world. The person that hates what they're saying at the end of the project. But if they're if they actually have moral integrity, they had to follow the parameters of the project. You're going to get the same result as if nefarious people who wanted the result to be that way did it. Because you've you've pre- so all you the study they did is who eats the most animal products, vegans, vegetarians, standard diets, or people that focus on eating animal products. And son of a bitch, if it wasn't the case that people that focus on either, th- this is crap. And it's again, I'm back to you cannot trust the government, you cannot trust industry, you cannot trust supposed science. You cannot trust the medical industry. You cannot trust the media at all, ever, 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 ever again. Maybe my great-grandchildren will grow up in a society that's radically altered, and we will have trust in media again, trust in government again. I don't believe it, but I'm not going to say it can't happen. It could. But right now, if you trust government, if you trust regulatory agencies, if you t- trust scientific bodies that are actually labor unions, right? If you trust the media, if you trust the government, and I don't care if there's a D or the R after the name, if you trust any of that, you are stupid. You're stupid. Now, I'm not saying that every word they say is a lie. I've talked about this a lot of times. People say, well, some of the stuff that they put out is true. I'm not going to not do it just because they said to. I get that. I get that. But that's not trust. That's using your own innate intelligence plus your logic and reason plus your own research, right, plus your knowledge you've accumulated across time to say this vets. That's not trust. Trust is when you tell me a thing I don't know, and without checking to see if you're right, I believe you. That's trusting information. If you do that with anything these people say ever again in your adult life, you are a fool, at least in that moment. And unlike Chipola, I don't believe that stupidity is a permanent condition always. I do believe for some people, stupid is permanent. I think there's people that they're just not smart. They're just not. They're just, I mean, we all know it. We all know that there are stupid people, but I think the majority of people who behave stupidly fall more under Bonhoeffer's theory than Chipola's theory. Yeah, I think they were made stupid by society. My wife was asking me this weekend, we were driving around and we saw a couple people here and there with masks on still. What is wrong with these people? I I said, they have post-traumatic stress disorder. They really had a freaking number done on them by all of this bullshit. You know, and we have studies out now telling us we already knew. I already, I don't care. But why you cover the study that said it doesn't work? Because it doesn't matter. Because I told you it didn't work three years ago. And you didn't believe me. So you believe me now because there's a study that says so? Well, what about the study that said it did work? Well, there wasn't one. You're right. But you believed it anyway because they said there was one. There was a study that showed it didn't work, but they said it did work. 
They said the study said a thing it didn't say. And you believed it. People are made stupid, folks. All the time, every day, people are made stupid. It happens constantly. We have allowed, we have allowed these people into our minds. When people talk about social media and the television and newspapers that nobody reads anybody used to, they say we have allowed them into our homes. No, we've allowed them into our minds. They're a mind virus. They infect your mind. They use fear. They pull at ancestral primitive fears. The whole pandemic thing, I explained this right when it started, why people were so afraid. Diseases historically have far more than decimated the human population. The Black Plague at its height may have killed three of four people in the world. It may not have been that bad, but if it was one in four people in the world, you're reversed. That's still pretty bad. We have ancestral memory. Whether people believe it or not, as a species, we have ancestral memories in our DNA. So when you start talking about this unseen force that can come cause sickness and death, you pull that ancestral memory to the surface. And if you do it with sheer effectiveness that's never been done before, like running supposed live body counts of deaths on the screen. Remember that? There's no way that was ever accurate. Do you know how many people in my audience told me to F off and quit listening to me when I said that was a lie? A lot. We lost, we lost more people at the beginning of COVIDs than most podcasts will ever have because of saying the truth. We'll always say the truth. But, but I'm back to the mind virus. That's why it happened. That's why people that should have been the people that most knew not to trust this, did. They trusted it because they pulled on that ancestral fear. Be very careful of anybody who's using fear to motivate you. They tend not to be looking out for your best interest. The one thing that wasn't in Chipola's Five Laws of Human Stupidity, he talked about the bandits, the people that steal. They're less dangerous than the stupid. They're less dangerous than the stupid because at least what they're doing, they're doing for gain. Where the stupid people do the things that harm for no good reason, no gain whatsoever. But do you know who the bandits prey upon the most? The stupid. And because in spite of the fact that there's a lot of stupid people, there's not as many as the bandits would prefer there to be. They invoke Bonhoeffer and they expand the pool of the stupid on which they can prey. And the best way to do that is what? Take over the entire educational sector of the market, pre-K through university, completely monopolize and control it, and educate your own protected class of stupid people. That's how we got here. So how do we get out of it? I think, you know, we talk about parallel economies. I think we need, like, the new meme, parallel everything. I just was, I mentioned that, you know, as I was getting ready for the show, I saw the thing come up about the powerlifting association or whatever. The courts say they have to let men pretending to be women compete. Just disband the entire thing and create a new thing with a new charter that specifically excludes it. All the sporting agencies out there, and if you have to walk away from collegiate athletics to do it, then do that. 
Let it effing crumble. Hey, where's the transgendered women that are actually transgendered men? I don't know how to keep track of this shit. Where are the women who decided they were men? Where are they as far as like playing collegiate football? Where are they? Where's the woman who's pretending to be a man competing with men in lifting weights? Where are they? They don't exist because it's all bullshit. It's all 100% a steaming pile of absolute bullshit. Walk away from it. Don't be part of it anymore. You know, I, I was listening to all these young women complain about this Leah, whatever the hell his name is, that's competing in, like, create your own swimming competitions with these people excluded from it. In time, the integrity of those bodies will become the de facto standard that everybody's measured events. Because this stupidity will only last so long. We need parallel everything. We don't just need parallel economies. We need parallel food systems as part of the parallel economy. We need parallel educational systems. That's what things like Excellus are enabling people to do. But co-ops, all we need parallel everything. Parallel everything. They don't exist. They'll get their asses handed to them. Steve is talking about, obviously, the women who think they're men competing in men's. They're not there. I haven't seen one yet. I haven't seen a single woman pretending to be a man, say on TV or wherever, it's unfair that I have to compete as a woman. Isn't that what's going to be, right? Like the woman that's all jacked up on male hormones is still going to compete as a woman, even though she's living as a man. And the man that had his wang pinned back so it doesn't show as much, like, and puts a dress on when he goes out to eat is going to say he's a woman too. Where Where is the place for the real women really competing? Parallel everything. Medical system. We need a parallel medical system. Nutritional advice. We need, we don't just need Ken Berry. And people like me and Mark Sisson, right, and Tom Delore and all these people that teach carnivore, keto, paleo, primal. No, we need our own body. We need our own agency that's an independent agency that specifically says we are not subject to governance by the government. We say what we have to say. You can take it or leave it. We have no authority. We have no power. We're just a source of information. We need something in the dietary realm that competes with USDA and all their bullshit, and their food pyramid, their plate, whatever the hell they want to call it now, where they're literally telling people that their diet should be based on the same uh, macros as a bag of cattle feed, right? That insects are healthy, that Lucky Charms are better than an egg fried in butter. We need our own entity of all this shit. We need our own overriding authority that's voluntary authority. In other words, a group of athletes or schools or whatever voluntarily joins. They can leave anytime they want that says this is how we regulate sports competitions and everything else and everything else. And there's nothing impeding it. How? Scramble is asking how. You just do it. Right. Scramble says the FDA will arrest people who say anything works. Well, the FDA will arrest you if you say something cures a disease. They will not arrest you for saying it's healthy to eat meat or I'd be already under the jail. There are places where it would be difficult, like replacing the FDA, not as a source of nutritional advice, but as a source of drug advice. That's a problem. 
But a physician's union where medical licensed doctors state what cures disease, that's a different thing. That's a little closer to the line. That would have to be mediated a little bit differently. But an entity that just says, here's healthy foods, go for it. Come at us. Come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. There is a point where we can't hide. There's a point where we can't be afraid that everything we do, they'll put us in jail for. There is a point where we have to stand the F up and act like the men and women that we are and defend our children and our homes now. Parallel every effing thing. Every effing thing. I think that's good for today. I think I'm done for the day. Functional medicine growing every day. Great. It should be. All right, guys, if you like this show and the work that I do, remember there's a lot of different ways you can support us. One is become a member of the Member Support Brigade. That is the best way. Guys, it's 50 bucks a year. Get your discounts. Use your discounts. Get your money back. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Members. The other way, when you're going to buy stuff online, start at where? tspaz.com. T-S-P-A-Z. tspaz.com. You can see all of my reviews, everything like that over at tspaz.com. And if you buy something after starting your shopping there, no matter what it is, whether I recommend it or not, you can help us out. So it doesn't cost you any additional money that you aren't going to spend anyway. So definitely consider that. I do not have an item of the day for you today, uh, but usually I do. You can find everything I've ever reviewed over at tspaz.com. And if you go there and you see something I've reviewed, this is what you need to know. I own it. I use it. I bought it with my own money unless it's dis- unless it's, dis- it's disclosed that I so I have a few things like two I think that were given to me for reviews from the maker and those are prominent disclosure. Almost all the rest of it I picked it out, I bought it, I used it and I would buy it again or I wouldn't recommend that you buy it. With that I'm going to wrap up today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Tomorrow I will be live first Tuesday of the month. I know that we're like to the sixth day of the month already, but it is there was no Tuesday in March last week. So you know what first Tuesday means? Myself, Nicole Awesome Sauce, and John Willis will be live together with our morning coffee talk. I believe we go live at 9.30 in the morning, and I think that's going to be my episode of TSP tomorrow. i got a lot of work to do out there, guys. This is the time of year to make shit happen in your own backyard, so I'm going to go out and do that right now. I'll catch you guys tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you want to make sure you can get in on the lives, like all the people that are here doing it right now, and you're listening to the audio only, get connected to us on social media somehow. Telegram group, Twitter, MeWe, Gab. All of those, 99% of the time, at least an hour before we go live, I post what the show's going to be about, what time it's going to be, and links to join us in. Thank you, Ika Mouse, for being so awesome yourself and threatening to deploy the fangs and claws of the mouse on anybody that doesn't smash that like I always enjoy having you here with us. Thanks a lot. I will catch you guys tomorrow with another episode again with John and Nicole. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. Show you a better way